Welcome to Real Testaments. The messages shared at Church of God Mission International, Church for Real. We trust God that through this message, your life will be transformed and you will receive grace to influence your world. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Can we stand up this morning as we do some confession, shall we? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So I have the life of God flowing in me. I have been bought by the precious blood of Jesus. I belong to God now and forever I will be with him. The blood of Jesus has delivered me from habitual sin. The blood of Jesus has delivered me from Satan and his cohorts. The blood of Jesus has delivered me from death, from fear, and from earthly pressures. I have victory over every challenge or challenges that, may, that I may face. I am righteous because I believe in Christ. I reign over all life matters because Christ has given me all things that pertain to life and godliness. I shall not die but live to declare the works of the Lord in the land of the living. Now listen to this. Say, God is my father. God is my friend. And he's also my Lord. I will serve him forever. He's got my back and also my front. I win always, including today, this week, this month, and this year, in Jesus' name. I want you to lift up your hands and just say, thank you, Jesus. I am a winner. I am not a failure. I am what God says I am. I may not have money in my pocket now. It's just a matter of time. I will have millions and billions in my bank accounts. Hallelujah. Thank you because I have health in my body. I am healthy. I'm not sick. Every symptom of sickness, I command you to get out. You're an alien. You have no right to stay in this temple. My temple is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Yes, in the name of Jesus. I carry Christ everywhere that I go. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Turn with me before you sit, please. Let's turn to Romans chapter 1. This morning, I want to preach on the topic, the power of the gospel. Romans chapter 1. I want us to read verse 16. But before we read verse 16, I would like to take it from verse 8 so that you can have a proper contest. First, I thank God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing I might mention of you, I make mention of you always in my prayers, making requests, making requests if by some means now at 
at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. This was Paul's letter to the Romans. So he heard of the good news and all the things that were happening in the Roman church. And so he wrote this letter. Verse 11. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gifts so that you may be established. So spiritual gifts gives you establishment spiritually. Verse 12. That is that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now, I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often plan to come to you, but was hindered until now, that I may have some fruit among you also, just as among the other Gentiles. I am a debtor both to Greeks and to the barbarians, both to wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you, who are in Rome also. Look at verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jews first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Thank you because, oh God, your word is settled. As we listen to your word, everything in our lives will be settled today in the name of Jesus. Let your word come with unction, with impetus, with power, with dunamis. Let everyone that hears your word today receive faith. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you. You can have your seat. Thank you so much. I said I'm talking on the power of the gospel. Can we all sit down? And um, listen to the word of God, very important. Praise the Lord. So, a lot has been said about the word gospel. Gospel. So, I'm just going to throw some light into what that word means, right? Okay, so, the gospel. First of all, I want to explain the meaning of the gospel, right? The word gospel is from the Greek word. It means euangelion. Euangelion, what you can also break down to be evangelion. Evangelion, in the Greek, it means three things. Number one, it means good message. Good message. Number two, it means good news. Good message good news. And number three, it means good story. It means good story. A story that is good. Okay, so flip it the other side. Any story that is not good is not the gospel. Any story that is not palatable to hear or to receive is not the gospel. The same way, any news that is not good is not the gospel. Also, any message that is not good is not the gospel. I mean, any message that is not good is not the gospel. So, in the Latin, you know, there have been a lot of derivations. In the Latin, it is called evangelium. So, when you say that I am going for evangelism, what exactly are you talking about? Evangelism means that I am going to share the good news. That's actually the meaning of evangelism. Evangelism means, evangelism is not when you go out. The act of going out is the act of going out. You are going out. You are reaching out, right? 
But that is not evangelism. When, when I say, oh, we are going to have evangelism on Saturday, what I'm actually saying is that we are going to share the good news on Saturday. That's what it means. So evangelism is not only when you go out. When you go out, what do you do? You can go out and be gisting about Chelsea and... Uh, uh, who did Chelsea play yesterday? Wolves, yes. You can go out and be talking about Chelsea and uh, Wolves. Is that evangelism? That's not evangelism. Or you can go out and uh, talk about Liverpool. Oh, did Liverpool play somebody else? Tottenham, yes. Liverpool and Tottenham. So evangelism means that you are going to share the good news, right? Now, you don't need to go out to share the good news. You can also be indoor and you are sharing the good news. So evangelism means you are sharing good news. So actually, to be honest with you, the lifestyle... I repeat, the lifestyle of the new creation is evangelism. It's evangelion, euangelion. That's the lifestyle of the new creation. Sorry, um, I mean, maybe I would like to mention, you know, question that uh, Pastor, you know, Patrick talked about. Now, listen. Our lifestyle, the natural habitat of the new creation is to share good news. That's the natural habitat of the new creation. So when you say that you belong to a company you are working for and you don't want them to know who you are because of the money you are receiving, that is a defective way of thinking. It's defective. Or when you say, okay, you are a member of a certain club or family, and because you don't want them to know that this is who you are, because of one or two things you are gaining physically, that is a defective way to think. Now listen to this. Once you are born again, recall, you know, where we read now from verse 8 down, Paul said, I am indebted. You know what it means to be indebted? You owe. You have an obligation to pay something back. Now listen. Paul said, I am indebted to the Greeks and to the barbarians. Paul's ministry was very clear. God told him that he was going to take the gospel, that is evangelism. He was going to take this evangelism to the barbarians and to the Greeks, to those people who were called Gentiles. So if you look at the letters of Paul, he wrote to Ephesus, he wrote to Corinthians, he wrote to Romans. These are called Gentile people. So he said, I am indebted to you. I owe you this obligation to share evangelism, evangelion with you. I am indebted. So he took it at, as something he needed to pay back. The same way if you owe somebody money, it's an obligation for you to pay back. Simple as that. Now listen to this. You are indebted to Christ. Are you aware of that? <laughs> you see... 
One of the major issues we've had in church have been issue is because of the message that we have received that has made us to jump into Christ and jump out. Jump into Christianity and jump out. We, we still don't understand it yet. We're not understanding this, this gospel. We don't, some of you don't understand it yet at all. You are indebted to Christ. You are bought with the precious blood of Jesus. He bought you with his blood. <laughs> he bought you with his blood. You are no longer a slave to sin and to the devil and to sickness and to the earthly matters. You are now, let me, if I use the word a slave to Christ, it will look somehow, but actually you are indebted to Christ. You have an obligation to do the will of Christ. It is not a choice. Oh boy. It is not a choice. Somebody who you were a slave to sin, on your way to hell, you were hell bound. You were, you were dead. Somebody came and, and, you know, thank you, Yaknok. He took, he, took he took sin. He became sin himself. On the cross, do you know why, you know, Pastor Amar was sharing a few things on Sunday, fantastic. You know, do you know why Jesus was afraid to die? On the cross. You know why? It was not the death that was the issue. It was not the death based on crucifixion that was the point. The point is that for the first time, he was going to be separated from the Father. It was that separation that he didn't want to experience. That is why when he was not made the sin of the world, and he was hung there on the cross, he shouted, he said, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? Listen to me. The greatest tragedy is not when you don't have money. The greatest tragedy is not when you, don't have mar uh, you are not married or you don't have children or you don't have a job. The greatest tragedy is not even death. The greatest tragedy is when you are separated from God. Eternal death is the greatest you know, tra tragedy. For the first time, Jesus experienced eternal condemnation. He was, he was separated from God. He shouted, he said, oh, you have forsaken me. God needed to forsake him because at that point in time, he was the sin of the world. He was the sin. Not the sinner, but the sin of the world. So he took all the iniquity of the world and he became the sin himself. So God forsook him and he shouted, oh, you can't do this to me. But listen, it was a major risk. But Jesus had confidence that if I do this, God, my father, was going to save me from it. It was a risk. He didn't want to do it. So when he was saying, oh, I can't do this, he was praying and the Bible says that the sweat was like blood coming out from him. But at the end of the day, it was the father's will that he does it. And his will, the father's will, took effect. That is what it is. If you follow the ministry of Jesus, it was not about his will. How do you know somebody, somebody, let me put this in now. How do you know somebody who is spiritually mature? When I see people tell me, Pastor, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do. I want to take this decision. I have asked a couple of people here, maybe not some of you here. And I asked, have you asked God? 
Have you prayed about it? What is God telling you? How you judge or you weigh spiritual maturity is when somebody tells you, this is what God has told me and this is what I am doing. When your will is superimposed into the will of the Father and you are going to do the will of God, that shows your spiritual maturity. That's the truth. You are indebted to Christ. He bought you with his precious blood. So it is what he said you should do that you should do. Not what you want to do. You don't even have a will anymore. You know, the other day I was preaching and I said, all this talk about purpose, purpose, my purpose is this, my purpose is this. Listen, you have only one purpose. We are here. That's the confusion. All these motivational messages. They have scattered church. We have only one message, only one purpose. And that purpose is to preach the gospel of the good news. Is to follow Jesus. Listen, even if you are president of Nigeria, you have one purpose as a believer. is to preach the good news. Anything that takes you away from the good news is no longer the gospel. It's no longer the gospel. Whether you drive a big car or you drive a small one, you are inside the bus. You have a house, you don't have a house. You run your company or you are, a, you are an employed staff somewhere. We have an obligation to preach the gospel. That's why Paul says, woe unto me if I preach it not. It's woe means <laughs> woe, you know the meaning of woe is a taboo. It's an abomination if I don't preach the gospel. Now listen, the preaching of the gospel has nothing to do with what you say all the time. Our lifestyle, our lifestyle is all about the gospel. It's all about the gospel. The way you behave, the way you reason, the way you interact with people. You know, there are some people that... When they tell you, ah, that person goes to church, you say, really, he goes to church? Are you sure he goes to church? Ah, even me, self, I try to pass him. That is because of the message that a lot of us have heard. We disconnect ourselves. You see, there is this disconnection. We disconnect ourselves, right, from the social system. That is wrong. The Bible says, for God so loved the world, God, so, God did not hate the word. The word there, W-O-R-O-L-D, is translated cosmos. Cosmos is the social system. God so loved the social system, and you cannot separate man from the social system. You cannot. The operational system of the world is created by man. So God so loved the world, the social system, cosmos, that he had to give Jesus to, to die. So the Bible says, while we were here sinners, Christ came to die for us. Are you getting it now? So if Christ died for us, it means that God is interested in the affairs of man. Therefore, you as his ambassador, his representative, what you are supposed to do is to do the things that he did. Jesus Christ was a social man. 
You cannot tell me that you are a believer. Eh? You work in a corporate environment. This place is corporate. So you blend like a chameleon. And so that's where it ends. Then on Sunday, you jump out again on Sunday. I am a Christian today. On Monday, I am no longer a Christian. It doesn't work that way. That is the fallacy. It doesn't work that way. Your lifestyle is the lifestyle of Jesus. It's the lifestyle of Jesus. See, that is the hypocrisy that we play. You see, you know, this is where I make my daily bread. I have to make some good coins here. So I should switch off my identity as a believer. Then when I come on Sunday or Saturday for a hazard, I wear it. I wear it. You are, you are pulling it off and you are wearing it. I don't know where we got all of those information. Now listen to me. Your lifestyle. Say with me. Say your lifestyle. My lifestyle is the lifestyle of Jesus. Jesus Christ moved around the earth. And while he moved around, he saw those who were sick, he healed them. He saw those who were poor, he preached the gospel to them. Those that needed welfare, he gave it to them. Those that needed help, he helped people. Those that needed the gospel preached to them, he preached the gospel to them. I recall one of the days that John the Baptist's disciples came and they said, Wow, are you the one that is to come or we should wait for another? And he said, look at it. Look at it. The blind can see. The poor has the gospel preached to them. Look at it. Everything. What else do you want as proof, as evidence? It means that I am fulfilling the ministry of the gospel. That's what he was saying. Listen. It's the same thing you carry. If there's a problem in your environment, let them call you. You will be the one to solve it. Don't be part of the problem. Instead, be part of the solution. I used to have a very wrong mindset about church until God dealt with me and showed me this direction. I'm very passionate about my country, Nigeria. That's part of the reason why I'm still here. I've had opportunities to Check out. But I'm passionate about my country, Nigeria. You know why? There's a lot of gap here. A lot of pro problem poor. Problem plenty. Are you aware of that? So there is a, there's a lot of room for ministry here. For a long time, to be honest with you, for a long time, I did not want to be a pastor. I was running away from ministry. But the more I run away, the more it is coming to me. The more I run away, the more it's coming to me. Until one day I went to convention, Church of God Mission Convention, and I had a divine encounter with God. And I made up my mind. I said, Father, I'm ready now. I'm all yours. So I walked up to Pastor Odi. God bless his soul. We're very close. I walked up to him and I told him, because, you know, when I came to Lagos, Pastor Odi, maybe God revealed certain things to him about me. He knew certain of my capacity, so he wanted to really push me into ministry, but I kept telling him to chill. Until I had that encounter with God, and, 
I told him, he was so excited, he hugged me and, you know, like a brother and said, wow, good to go. Now, one of the reasons why I did not want to go full time was because I'm interested in politics. I'm interested in holding political positions because I found out that politics is a very major, is a strong tool you can really use to impact people. You know, so I didn't want to go in there because, you know, with my, um, what do you call it? my ecclesiastical or episcopal, you know, <laughs> you know, aura. So I wanted to go in there as a normal guy. But it was later God started to open my eyes to mystery of the gospel. And he explained certain things to me, which I'm going to preach one day to you, and I believe most of you will change your mindset too. And he explained Matthew chapter 16 to me about the purpose of the church. And he told me, this is just, I'm just giving you a small snippet of that message. He said, church is not a religious organization. He told me that church is a political organization. I was shocked, and he explained everything to me. He said, the truth is, when I said I'm going to build my church, I was saying I'm going to raise change agents, people who will change the earth. Not people who will sit down in a certain room and clap their hands and shout hallelujah every Sunday. I say, wow, really? It changed my mindset. So that's part of the reasons why for a while now I've not been praying for Nigeria. The reason why I don't pray for Nigeria is this, I'll tell you. The day I prayed for Nigeria, the more I was praying for my country, the more God was pointing the arrow at me. And God told me, I cannot do anything until you take your place. So we will continue to have guys who don't know God rule us and mess up our country if you and I don't take our place. So you are a political, you are a political tool. So in your organization, see yourself as a change agent. When things are not working well, what you should do is to change it. Don't be criticizing government. Stop criticizing government. Instead, start being a solution to the government. You are the solution. <laughs> Somebody with me this morning. <laughs> Listen, stop criticizing. Start being a solution. That is why most of you, if you've been under my meetings and you tell me all the problems in the world, the next thing I will ask you What's the solution? Give me ideas. Give me ideas. How do we turn this thing around? That's the way I go now. I don't just criticize things. It's the same way if I'm in the office and I'm telling them what is wrong, what is wrong, what is wrong. By the time I finish, I now begin to tell them what they should do right, the things that we should do right. I don't just end it by saying the things that we should do right. The next thing I say, I give um, more bullet points to say, this person does this, this person does this, this person does this with bullet points. Look at it. When Joseph told Pharaoh the problem that is going to come to the world, the famine, what did he do next? He told him the solution and what he was going to do. And he told him, this, this, this are the solution. The next thing, Pharaoh ah, said, how am I going to get somebody that will handle this matter. He said, you are the one I'm going to use. So please, stop criticizing Nigeria. Ask yourself, the, the, even the compound where you day, 
They say it's time to pay Loma B. You will fight them. You are not paying Loma bill. It's time to pay Nepal B. You will fight. You will not pay. They will say, come out. Let us clean, clean the drainage. You will not follow them to clean drainage. Then you will come and sit down. Nigeria is bad. Nigeria is bad. You are the one that is part of the problem with Nigeria. That's the truth. You are the one. Three thoughts, then I round off today. Number one, I've talked about the good news, so that's what I actually, that's the thing that actually took my time. So the gospel is good news. Now listen to this. Any message you hear that puts fear in you is not good news. So if somebody comes and tells you, you are going to die in three days' time, so you should go on seven days dry so that you will not die, is that good news? That's not good news. Listen, Good news means that your sins are forgiven. Good news means that you are above the situations that, you, that, that affects you now. Good news means that you are above the devil and his cohorts. Good news means that sicknesses and diseases are not part of your life. Good news means that you have victory over life matters. Good news means that Jesus was made poor so that you will be rich. Good news means that he was made a sinner so that you will no longer dwell in sin. Are you getting what I'm saying? Good news means that you are now heaven bound. You are not hell bound. Are you getting what I'm saying? So good news is good story. That is the gospel. That is the gospel which we preach. So that is what you are supposed to preach because that is what you hear. Good news. Somebody say good news. I put something on social media yesterday and I said, Anything or message that puts fear in you, it's not the gospel. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? The word of God. So what good news does, it builds faith in you. It gives you joy. It gives you happiness. So when I see believers who are always angry, something is wrong. As a believer, you should always be cheerful. You should be glad. You should be happy. You should be full of joy. So when I come, you know, I go anywhere, I enter the office, for example, the next thing I'm saying is, how are you guys doing? Hope the weekend was good. Give me high five. Give chop knuckle. I am putting life into people. I have life. I, I'm not dead. Are you getting what I'm saying? You are not feeling fine in the name of Jesus. Receive healing. I am putting life into people. That is, that is, that is, you know, hold it. That is, that is what you're supposed to do. You don't come, you see, when you just enter your house, hey, daddy has come, but people are running away. It is wrong. Your children are supposed to come and meet you. I say, daddy has come. Welcome, and they embrace you. If as a mother, you become a terrorist, you enter the house, and you say you are a carrier of good news. You enter the house, all your children don't find level. This one did that room, that one did that room. They don't want to come and meet you. It means that you are preaching or expressing bad message. That's the truth. So people must come to you. Jesus was a crowd puller. He, he, you know, have you heard of the word charisma? Charisma, yes. Charisma means, you know, something you have that is drawing people to you. It is called smell, like, like perfume. When people, aura, that's the word, aura. See, you carry charisma. Every believer carries charisma. You know why? Because we have good news. We have good news. Let people say, let me call Brother Michael. I am not feeling happy, but I know when I call him, I will feel happy. Hallelujah. There are some people, when you call them, your spirit don't die. 
They kill your spirit. That is not good news. Good news is that let somebody call you and you are the person begins to say, Pastor, I in short, this call has made my day. That is the spirit. I want to make people happy. Hallelujah. I want people to be joyous. Don't frown your face as if you, you carry all the problem in the world, whereas you are the one solving all the problem in the world. Be happy. Anything that puts fear in you, it's not the good news. It's not the gospel. So the gospel is good news. Somebody say good news. Now, every information you received must be measured by the gospel of Christ. Every information is like a funnel. It enters the funnel. And so you sieve it. Any information you receive that is tantamount, sorry, that is not tantamount to the gospel is false. For example, I just said now, somebody will come and say, you will die. Is it tantamount to the gospel? It's not. Or somebody says, oh, I saw that you have boy and sickness all over you. And the next thing, I saw coffee. Not be me and you. Eh? It's not tantamount to the gospel. The gospel is good news. So what I want to hear is that, oh, you passed through this situation, but thank God you came out of it. You came out of it. Listen to this. There is no situation that you will pass through. Eh? I repeat, there is no situation that you will pass through that will warrant you to suffer before God will intervene. God is not a bad God. What price did you pay for Jesus to go to the cross? So why do you think there is something you need to do for Jesus to intervene in your situation? No, that is works, Old Testament. Recall what I told you about the priest, the high priest. All the things he needed to do before he would even get to the mercy seat and sprinkle blood. Now listen, the Bible says, come boldly. God didn't say, wear this, wear that. Do this, do this ritual, do that ritual. No, he didn't say that. He said, come boldly. The way you are, come. So you don't need to do anything to come to the mercy seat of God. Because now the mercy seat of God is dwelling in the inside of you. Are you some, somebody listening to what I'm saying? So all, the only thing you need to do is to believe. Say your neighbor, say believe. believe. It's not believe. Just believe. You know, I called a brother. I don't know if the brother is here. I called a brother yesterday, you know, just to check up on him. And the brother said, wow, pastor, thank you for calling me. And, uh, you know, the brother is in another state. And, you know, he said, I'm believing God that I will get promotion. I just finished interview for promotion. And, uh, you know, you told us not to fast for promotion. So I'm not fasting for it. <laughs> I said, oh, really? You remember that message? He said, yes. I said, have you prayed? About it, he said, yeah, I said, now listen, the Bible says, ask. Have you asked? Asked. Jesus said something, he said, I told him, I said, one of the rights, right, R-O-I-G-H-T-X, right, what are rights? Do you know as a citizen of Nigeria, you have rights? You have rights. The other day, a policeman stopped me, and uh, it was Saturday morning, I just went to buy stuff, some local wares. He stopped me, and he said, come here, I came. I didn't know he was a policeman. First of all, he was wearing mufti. And he said he's a policeman. He was wearing mufti. He came and I said, he came. Maybe he thought I was just one 
Randy guy on the street. And I don't know, say, you know, my head is hot. So I, I came. Maybe you even thought I was going to run. I, I, I came. He said, I'm a policeman. I said, okay, that's fine. He said, what do you have in your pocket? He wanted to be, I said, are you, are you okay? I said, first of all, are you a policeman? He said, yes. I said, that's where I knocked him off. I said, let me see your ID card. He couldn't even deliver. He couldn't even show me. He said, I'm a policeman. I'm a pol-. As we were talking, another one came and said, we are policemen. I said, you guys are in mufti. Let me see your ID card. Let's even start from there. Identify yourself first. When I finished, I said, let me tell you, the fact that I'm in Nigeria, I know my rights. I will go to Germany. White Oyibo policeman will see a black man. We will harass him. I will go to UK. White Oyibo policeman will see a black man. will harass him. In my own country, again, you want to harass me? Mbanu, you're not pure now. Wait see. What is it? By the time I finish with them, he say, go, Jari, go. Carry your wahala, go. <laughs> my people now, because I know my rights. Are you getting what I'm saying? What I'm saying is this. If you don't know your rights, even people can use you, can mess you up. So if you say you are a policeman and you show me your ID card, okay, then we can start talking. You show me, okay, you're Nigerian police. Why are you wearing mufti? What's going on? Hallelujah. Let's not go into that. Somebody called me, and I, and I began to sit. I said, one of the rights, I said, listen, I was talking to the brother on the phone. I said, one of the rights you have is to ask. Is to ask. I said, have you asked? Jesus said something. He said, tattoo, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask that you may receive, that your joy will be full. I said, do you want to be promoted? He said, yes. I said, have you asked Jesus? He said, I said, go and ask him. Go and ask him. It's part of your rights. Ask him. He said, where did the Bible talk about ask? Ask, and it shall be what? It shall be given to you. It's your right. It's your right to ask. And I said, it's going to happen. It's going to happen in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. So every information you receive that you put in the funnel that is not blending with what Jesus did for you, do not believe it. Any information you receive that put fear in you is not the gospel. Lastly, this is where I round off today. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it is the power. Somebody say power. Power. The word power is from the Greek word dynamis or dunamis as you may call it. Now, it is the power of God unto salvation. And as I was looking at it, God struck me in my spirit. He said, Jesus is the power of the gospel. He said, without Jesus, the gospel does not make sense. There are a lot of good news everywhere. In short, as you are now, maybe your brother that have not given birth for the past 10 years can call you and say, my wife don't born. Is that not good news? Yeah. Eh, you'll be happy. Yeah. As you are now, you are believing God for a visa to go to Canada. Eh? And you just get a call for somehow, somehow. Or you, tomorrow you see, say, the thing don't click. Is that not good news? Whatever it is, there are a lot of good news. But he told me, he said, the gospel of Christ. Right, it's what we to preach. Good news. And Jesus is the power of God. Is the power of the gospel. Is the power of the gospel. So what we preach is Jesus, him 
crucified, him buried, and him resurrected. That is what we preach. Jesus is the power of the gospel. He is the power of the gospel. Listen, motivational speaking or motivational message cannot save anybody. What will save people is Jesus. So I always tell people, if you want to be saved, Mass Moreau wrote a song. He said, if you want a brand new people, then you must have a brown, if you want a brand new people, then you must have a brand new spirit. How do you get a brand new spirit? You've got to come to Jesus Christ. The Bible says, let's read that place. Yes, I remember. Acts, Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Give me Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Yes. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given under men whereby we must be saved. So listen, the world needs salvation. The world needs salvation. The other day, a brother in the office came to me. He was always taking permission. Hospital. I'm going to the hospital every time. And I called him. He took permission again. And I called him. I said, I think he's a Muslim. He believes in Islam. And I called him. I said, I believe in Christ. Oh, Jesus is Lord. Listen, I'm not afraid to talk about Jesus. I said, I believe in Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ can heal you. I just need your consent for us to pray together. And my Jesus will heal you. He said, ah, I, I, I agree, I agree. Listen, there is, no, there is no other sect. I don't want to like using the word religion. There is no other religion that can raise the dead, that can heal the sick, that can heal diseases, that can give a man a brand new spirit. There is no one. It's only Jesus. How can somebody who kills, who rapes, who smoke, who do all kinds of nefarious things, suddenly wake up in the morning or go somewhere and he hears a message, a good news message, and he says, Daddy and Mommy, I'm not born again. And all of a sudden, all the things he was doing before, he was not, he's not doing them anymore. How can a young lady on the street who is a prostitute suddenly says, I don't do it again. I am not born again. Come on, there is something now. Listen, there is something. It's only Jesus that can do it. I feel like getting out of my skin. There is no other name. So if it's only Jesus that can do it, why do we switch off? Because we don't, because of money, you are carnal. That's the, that's the, that is the, oh. Everybody needs Jesus. And what is, what is, what is the message? The message is Jesus. The message is Jesus. People are fighting on the streets. Throw somebody inside the prison. If he doesn't get Jesus, after 20 years, he will come back and still continue the stealing. But when you throw somebody inside the prison and he receives Jesus, he comes backwards, a changed man. We all need Jesus. The bus conductor needs Jesus. The driver needs Jesus. Everybody needs Jesus. Those days that I used to take bus, there was a time the conductor forgot to collect money from me. And I've gotten to where I am, even me, I don't go. And I thought, ah, this morning, I, I, taught, I tapped him, I said, you've not collected your money. He said, ah, thank you, sir, he collected it. That is what Jesus can do. For some of you, ah, thank God, oh, thank God. <laughs> thank God, oh. 
No, Jesus. Jesus does something to your spirit that you cannot understand. Do you get what I'm saying? Somebody does something to you. You want to retaliate and give the person back. And Jesus says, no, show him love. Hallelujah. He says, show him love. How can I show him love now? Jesus Christ told me, he said, if you are always loving those who love you, you have already received your reward. If you need a reward from me, love those who don't love you. Stand up on your feet. We all need Jesus. We don't need to switch off. We need to talk about the good news. What is this good news? That Jesus Christ has saved us already. That we are no longer sinners. The fact that you sin doesn't make you a sinner anymore if you believe in Jesus. It's just a mistake. Hallelujah. It was a mistake and you are coming out of it in the name of Jesus. The more you look at the mirror, the more you see your image. The more you look at the mirror, the more you see your image. And the more you see your image, the more you are transformed from glory to glory. In the name of Jesus. Don't, don't switch off. What you do is that you talk about him. You know, when Peter and James and the other disciples, when they were threatened, when they were threatened, I love what Peter said. Peter said, we will prefer to obey Jesus than to obey you. We will prefer to obey Jesus than to obey you. If Jesus has said we should do it, we would do it. If Jesus has said we should do it, we would do it. Go and preach the good news. Preaching the good news means you are a witness of Christ. Your lifestyle, what you do, what you say. You are a witness of Christ. Let people call you and say, I need help. Help me. The world is decaying. They need Jesus. If you are in politics or you want to go into politics, you are not going into politics to switch off. And when you come out, you wear it again. No, that is not how it is done. You go into politics with your full regalia as the identity of Jesus. Let them know who you believe in and begin to do things. It is when you begin to compromise your faith. You sleep with women. You, you, you do commit adultery. You take bribe. You increase their invoice. They give you all those things that the world are doing. When you do them, they say, after all, we are the same. You only go to church on Sunday to mark register. No, you are more than that. No, you are more than that. You are wearing the regalia of Jesus. That is what it is. We don't switch off. We are always in the 247. You wake up in the morning, you are wearing the regalia of Christ. Whether you have prayed or not, but you need to pray. You are wearing the regalia of Christ. You enter the bus, you are wearing the regalia of Christ. You enter the company, you are wearing the regalia of Christ. You come out, you are wearing the regalia of Christ. As you are entering your house, you are still wearing the regalia of Christ. It's forever. As long as you remain a believer. Hallelujah. God bless you. We'll continue next week. This message was brought to you by Church of God Mission International, Church for Real. For more information, log on to our website at www.churchforreal.org. Church for Real. Influence your world.